From the San Diego Convention Center in San Diego, California, it's the ASN Kinney Week 2015 podcast, a discussion of the latest scientific and clinical advances presented at this year's meeting. ASN thanks Opco Renault for its support of this podcast. Hi, I'm Lloyd Cantley. Uh, I'm from Yale University. I'm the program chair for the ASN this year, and we're here on the second day of the American Society of Nephrology annual meeting. Hi, I'm John Gill. I'm a professor of medicine and transplant nephrologist at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver. Ebony Bullware. I'm a professor of medicine at Duke University and general internist. Hi, I'm Carla Nestor. I'm from the University of Iowa. So, uh, as the program chair, one of the things that I've been really excited when we were putting this meeting together was the whole idea of this found in translation and the idea that we would start to bring all the research that's been going on in nephrology into actual clinical practice. And <clears throat> I've been particularly excited by a few of the plenary talks. Uh, we've only had two so far, but we'll have two more, obviously. Uh, today's was really inspiring to me, Helen Hobbs from UT Southwestern, who uh, has been studying genetics of lipid disorders and really, I thought, did a beautiful job of showing how a question being asked uh, at a level of something straightforward like what's the LDL, uh, what's the risk of cardiovascular disease based on LDL and is it that the only question or the only driver has led to discovery of a whole new pathway of LDL metabolism and new drugs in the matter of 10 years from discovery to on the market uh, being clinically tried that dramatically impact uh, coronary artery disease. And I think this model is particularly exciting for me as something we need to do in nephrology of trying to find really ideal targets and bring them into clinical practice based on human data. And I was also inspired by the example because <laughs> it showed how in the example going from a population-based problem then getting down to the genetic and kind of bench and bedside, ben it's typically kind of going from population down to the bench and then back to the bedside and then back to the population. So it was a fantastic example inspiring. Yeah, I mean, I uh, saw that session. It was really uh, interesting. I'm going to highlight a couple of different things that I saw yesterday in a slightly different theme, and these were related to health services. As I mentioned, I'm a transplant physician, and so the first session I went to was really about quality and value in the dialysis setting, and these were presentations from CMS which were talking about system redesign to improve and really deliver patient-centered care, um, which is uh, really taking into account what matters to patients and their families. Um, and uh, part and parcel of that was a uh, assessment of value in the system. And this was particularly interesting to me because in the transplant world, we've been struggling with uh, these things called program-specific reports, which many in the transplant community don't feel have uh, met uh, their objective of improving quality in the transplant system. And what was evident to me from that particular session was that we need to um, think increasingly not in terms of the silos of dialysis and transplantation, but um, this is a continuum where we are striving to improve uh, quality in the system and match uh, uh, what we deliver uh, to the patient's needs uh, across a continuum of end-stage renal disease care. Um, and so those, I think, there's some learnings there that I think are directly ap applicable to transplantation. That was particularly exciting. The other session I wanted to highlight was, again, on the theme of patient-centered care. Uh, it was one that I was in. It was entitled, I think, Advancing Options for Care in the Elderly from Palliative Care to Transplantation. 
And my first question, of course, comment, I was the last speaker in that, was to say, well, shouldn't this be from transplantation to palliative care, <laughs> which drew some jeers from the audience. But, uh, <laughs> but nonetheless, the theme that I think was really important was, number one, informing patient choice, whether it be in terms of, and, it, and this was focused on the elderly again, in terms of the frequency of dialysis, <coughs> things like trials of dialysis, discussing advanced directives, and having really proactive discussions about palliative care. And on the other extreme, for me as a transplant physician, discussing very early on in the treatment course the appropriateness of transplantation and the various transplant options uh, that elderly patients need to think about. So the overall theme really of patient-centered care, delivering value that's relevant for the patient, to me was really nicely highlighted in those two sessions. So dovetailing on that, I just came out of a, um, a policy session where the DOPS study was presenting data on preparation for patients for renal replacement therapy and found that somewhere around 60% of patients in the country who have late stage 4 CKD um, have no idea were they to develop um, ESRD within the next week or so, what modality they would choose. And so it was emphasizing, again, this importance of preparing patients, um, getting them better educated, and, um, and um, centering care more efficiently uh, along the transition towards end-stage renal disease. Also dovetailing on your other <coughs> um, interests, I went to an interesting session yesterday on access to uh, kidney transplantation and um, uh, kidney donation. Um, and there were some interesting presentations on regional variation in access to kidney transplants focused on <coughs> donation, particularly live kidney donation, showing that in certain regions there was less access particularly to live kidney transplantation. Um, and the disparities were not just regional, there were also disparities by race and um, gender. And so there's some, some very interesting um, issues brought there about the need for really looking at the policies that get patients access to this treatment um, and some of the practices that may um, or may not um, contribute to disparities in access. For example, uh, there was some interesting data that was presented on women and their access to kidney um, transplantation and being deemed um, medically suitable candidates for transplant and just emphasizing that many of our clinical indicators of suitability for transplant um, may inappropriately bias against women. And so it just brought up some very interesting issues about how to improve access to, to, to transplant. I thought that was a very interesting session. When I come to the ASN, I often will focus very much on the glomerular diseases. So that's what I spent a lot of time actually yesterday and even actually a good bit of today. Um, interesting yesterday were a lot of the outcomes uh, discussions on lupus nephritis. So um, when do we declare we've had success and when should we even be checking urine protein and how low should the urine protein be and uh, all of those sorts of things which are actually very helpful I think for a practicing uh, physician to be thinking about lupus. but also. I think is actually building uh, our understanding of what we need to do next because you know as a lot of people who attend the ASN know there aren't a lot of effective therapies in lupus nephritis so we have to figure out what the right outcomes are and so you know discussions ongoing discussions about these things are going to be very important in fact I think there actually is even more lupus outcomes data being presented tomorrow so I think that that will be very interesting to follow up on that original discussion um, but I would like to say one of the things I'd love to hear about is compliment. And in fact, I just left a compliment session just a few moments ago. And 
the discussion was uh, around how complement is playing a role in those other diseases, so not just atypical HUS, not just C3 glomerulopathy, you know, complement is apparently playing a role in ischemic reperfusion and obviously, you know, uh, antibody-mediated rejection and a number of different uh, diseases are popping up, ANCA being one of the newer ones. Um, but what was very nicely presented by this group of, of speakers was that it's not just that terminal complement, you know, the one that we have the drugs for right now, or the drug for right now. It is really, you know, possibly C3A and C5A and other complement proteins that are playing a role. And the reason that's actually very important or fascinating to me is because um, we only have one drug. It obviously must not be right for everyone, but who is it right for? So we need to have a better understanding about exactly what is the complement proteins that are involved in these patients. So I, I think it's yeah. it's fun to hear these uh, you know these speakers talk about their research and hear about it's still very preliminary, obviously, and and everyone's data needs to be reproduced. But it's very nice to hear that people are really trying to dig in and find out exactly where we're having problems right now so with their complement systems. So. Yeah, I mean, I just, I just want to jump in and, and highlight two things that you said about that. I mean, the transplant community has long appreciated the fact that complement does a lot more than poke holes in, in the membranes of, exactly. of bacteria. And the thing that I think, the reason you, so you may say, why as a transplant physician do I come to the ASN? Because the basic mechanisms of disease uh, that occur in the transplant setting and are translatable to the recurrent disease setting in a transplant model um, are they really only get discussed here? Yeah. We uh, uh, and I think that that continuity and again it comes back to the point that I said that I think this cross fertilization of transplantation with uh, general nephrology is so important and I'm concerned that it changes and it's nice to see sessions that break it down and strip it down to the basic mechanisms that are applicable to as you said ischemic reperfusion injury acute humoral rejection primary GN recurrent GN from the complement setting that's a great example of, of of those issues and that's one of the strengths of the meeting because it really does uh, force people and you can go to a transplant meeting where they're discussing basic mechanisms of glomerular disease and I unfortunately missed that compliment session it was highlighted as the one I wanted one I want to go to but those issues are definitely grappling and the, the exciting <coughs> thing is is we'll see more things the uh, immune attractive uh, uh, properties of C5A and C3A are going to be really important in innate immunity and I'm sure are going to be important in, in, the, in the pathogenesis of glomerular disease as we peel the onion. So I, th I, you know, I, I, I that's one of the exciting things is to right. see that from a basic perspective that then allows you to apply to whether it's a transplant or a native. Uh, it community. helps us predict what therapies we need and which, you know, we, we need a lot of them obviously. So I, I, I would follow that with there is a session coming tomorrow which is um, I think the title is Pathogenesis of Microvascular Disease in the Kidney or something like that, but it's, um, it's also dealing, um, there are probably going to be some complement discussions involved in that, but it's more specifically talking about thrombotic microangiopathies and how that plays a role in various settings of the kidney diseases that we that we'll often deal with. And I'm looking forward to that. I don't know what that one's going to be like, but I, I judging from the speakers, I'm sure it's going to be good and I'm sure it's going to present some of the, you know, the more recent basic data that, again, we need to build on for future sake. So um, I am trying, struggling to uh, identify with you two guys who have therapies, okay? So there are therapies for lupus nephritis. They're certainly not ideal and we have a long way to go and we actually have dramatically changed transplant rejection in the last 30 years or so. The disease that brought me into nephrology as a researcher, acute kidney injury, 
40 years later, we don't have a single therapy. There is no drug that we have <clears throat> that works in that disease. And so that's an incredible frustration for all of us who practice nephrology and see patients with it, um, that we still do the same things in 2015 that we did in 1980 when we see a patient with AKI. Um, yesterday, there was a session. So one of the things that uh, this year when we put the program together, um, Patrick Nachman, who is the head of the Postgraduate Education Committee that puts together typically the clinical practice sessions, and myself, the program committee chair, sat down and really, um, and the two committees actually directly met together, and we created a new type of session this year called the translational sessions. And the whole idea of those sessions was that we felt that this uh, old model or older model of the ASN where the clinicians came and went off to clinical practice sessions and the researchers came and went off to the basic science sessions and the two did not see each other or meet necessarily other than in the plenary session might not be the ideal model by which we would find new therapies for things like AKI or better therapies for complement vasc related vasculitides or better therapies for re uh, transplant nephropathy and that in fact bringing those two groups together in the same session would be good. <clears throat> and so long-winded way to say that a session I went to yesterday I thought was really cool was the provocatively titled something like it's about time we had an effective therapy for AKI already uh, in which two very basic sciencey people uh, gave very nice talks on what we know from animal models and preclinical models of AKI and then two people who really know how to put together clinical trials and design clinical trials and power them appropriately and make sure that what you're doing is actually going to give you information that's useful gave talks in the same session and it really brought into sharp focus the fact that uh, many of the failures of basic science transition into clinical practice where things have been deemed as a failure based on a clinical trial were in fact either inadequately powered to answer the question not properly scientifically designed to give the drug or the compound at the right time in the setting of AKI. And that if those two groups had been talking to each other for the last 20 years, maybe we would have already had therapies for AKI. So I, there are, these are uh, sprayed throughout the whole meeting. We have several translational sessions every day around different topics that just happened to be the one yesterday. And I think maybe that will be, we'll see, maybe that'll be a trend for the future. I just want to take off the word translational to me, I'm an epidemiologist, and so some of the paradigms that we've set up in epidemiology, and I think this point was made a number of times yesterday, is the need to have specificity around these things that for an epidemiologist, uh, epidemiological perspective, it's important for us to lump AKI. It's a single entity, it has a huge public impact, it does all these things, and it's a, it's a risk factor for progressive chronic kidney disease and end-stage renal disease. That's important from an epidemiological perspective, but what we failed, I think, to do is to then take that down to the mechanistic basis. And the same point, I think, was made with the chronic kidney disease classification yesterday, I think, by Jonathan Himmelfarb in his primary address, is that we need to um, ha understand why we lump things together for public health uh, messaging or to advance epidemiological understanding, but then the need then to strip them down to their basic mechanisms. And I think that to me is a very powerful message from day one uh, uh, in terms of, of getting to the specificity. So it's sort of that lumper splitter thing and uh, the lumpers need to talk to the splitters and, and, and uh, otherwise we're not gonna get anywhere. And I think that that, you know, to me was made evident. It seems very simple, but you know, gosh, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an illuminating concept when someone spells it out that simply, so. 
Yeah, I think that's what's amazing about the meeting, though, is because you can go from that policy all the way from huge, big policy, Medicare policy, all the way back down to basic mechanisms. And I think getting that all in one meeting is, is incredible. You know, on a smaller level, I went to a, a session yesterday that was focused. There were two um, presentations on cognitive decline, another area that we know very little about in CKD. Um, and in one study, there's an ongoing trial and the investigators were talking about how to classify cognitive decline and just really emphasize how, how little we actually know about this phenomenon, um, even studying. And then in another study, they're actually looking at the effects of exercise on cognitive decline. Um, and so it was even in one session, you got two ends of the spectrum. One is trying to understand the basic mechanism, sort of natural history, and the other was actually already jumping to intervention. I think it just points out that in kidney disease, there's a lot that we need to do. And so there's an urgency to kind of address many of these things through interventions as well as policy, but then we also have to go back and understand basic mechanisms. So it's just a huge need across the spectrum. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, just some other new things I just want to highlight. I mean, um, I come from Canada, and the thing that I love about the United States is, is, is you guys force change. And so the USRDS Coordinating Center changed. Yesterday they had a presentation, and they highlighted some of the new tools that they're using to understand things. Um, and that's, that's the beauty of changing uh, the system. And so they highlighted Crown Web data, which basically is a monthly um, uh, compendium of what um, a bunch of clinical parameters in patients in dialysis units on a month-over-month -month basis. And based on that, they had some very innovative data, and I'm highlighting this for researchers out there because this is new and I didn't know about it, um, uh, uh, that they can look at vascular access and uh, not only who's starting dialysis with the appropriate, but when they could look at time to maturation. So some very elegant modeling looking at new data sources that we've been collecting but haven't harnessed before. So it's kind of like you can teach an old dog new tricks and I, I, I thought that was really a, a, a good session of, and, and a good use. So for people who are listening who are interested in USRDS stuff, I think there's some new stuff there that's good. Another session um, I just came from was a meeting with uh, medical students and college students who are here at the meeting as STARS students, for example, or, or from some of the other pathways. And uh, I think something we're all worried about is this declining number of fellow applicants into nephrology programs. And it was a really nice meeting because they had very appropriate questions about what would my career path look like? I, I hear that there are more fellowship slots open than, than trainees. Why is that? Um, is, are there going to be, and many of them were focused around, are there going to be research dollars for kidney research? And uh, these were people who are very interested and very much focused on wanting to have this as a career and make it work. And so I think as a society, uh, it's really important for us, for the ASN, to promote that and to have those people at this meeting. Uh, I, I know every single person who I'm sure each of you can say the first time you went to the ASN was how uh, mind-opening it was to see what's going on out there and this group really had that sense like you could just tell that they were tingling with wow this is some pretty cool stuff uh, ho hopefully there's going to be a career in this for me and obviously we want to support that and and keep that excitement going I was going to say something about the STARS program. I remember you said, you remember the first time you came to the ASN, it was so overwhelming. And so the nice thing about the STARS, it not only identifying potential future leaders in this field, which I think is fantastic, but just helping somebody negotiate this meeting. And I just want to highlight the fact that there are streams that are built in, which are very helpful. 
you get the whole you know abstract thing and you're like where am I gonna go um, it actually is very easy to figure out and you know as a transplant guy you can figure out I'm gonna jump over to that and 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 look at those because they're 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 related and so there's there's basically I call them riffs within the app you can go into a session and say if you like this you might want to check out this and I thought that was very innovative and very helpful so that the organization the meeting that way is good uh, for a transplant guy coming to this meeting with not a lot of lead time preparation it was very helpful You have been listening to the ASN Kidney Week 2015 podcast. ASN thanks Opco Renal for its support of this podcast. This podcast is copyrighted by the American Society of Nephrology. All rights reserved. All content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be medical advice. This podcast should not be used in a medical emergency or for the diagnosis or treatment of any medical condition. Please consult your doctor or other qualified healthcare provider if you have any questions about any medical condition or before taking any drug, changing your diet, or commencing or discontinuing any course of treatment. Thank you for listening to this podcast of the American Society of Nephrology.